We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to to another Welcome to the J episode. I am your host, Jahans Managa. I have a very special guest with me today. Before we get into all that, though, make sure to like and subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network so you can follow content such as this, me representing the Creighton Blue Jays, as I always do, different representatives representing their alma maters as well on that network. So make sure to like and subscribe and do all that good jazz. I appreciate you all for all of the support and the love that I've received so far. We are in season three. This is guest number 11 stepping into the J with me this year. He is affectionately known in the Omaha area as the godfather. He's a very big friend of the show. <laughs> West side stand up. Ross Barini's in the building. What up, Ross? How you doing, bro? Uh, I'm good, man. I don't think anyone's really calling me the godfather besides like the... <laughs> Besides in like a joking way, but uh, I did, I, I did actually go to the West Side game last night. West Side played Gretna. I went, went and watched the old boys get busy. So yeah, proud West Side Creighton guy. How did they do, by the way? Or did you not mention the score because they didn't do so well? They lost, yeah. Yeah. Lost. That's not, if I know anything about you, Ross, like yeah. <laughs> I know your matters is a little bit too well over the years of just hanging out, being boys and stuff. So as soon as I saw that you didn't mention the score, I'm like, yeah, West Side probably lost, huh? Yep, they lost. That's all right. Gretna's pretty good. Uh, but uh, kind of, I think in the Metro, everyone's kind of chasing Bellevue West, whose point guard, Josiah Dotzler, is committed to Creighton. Yep. So. And he comes from a great lineage of Creighton basketball players with Josh being there beforehand. Uh, yep. He was number 12 before I was number 12. So you know I got to have love for all my number 12. That's right. That's right. I forgot. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I forgot hey, Josh was number man. 12. Once I once I committed, I did my history. I started looking up everything about the boys. So has there been any number twelves after you? Uh yes. Um, wow, but he transferred out and I'm blanking on his name, and I know the fans are gonna kill me for him. But it was a Juco kid who came in. He had braids, skinny guy, super athletic. Oh but he was um, the one God, what was his name? Um 
was it something Lee? Maybe, but I mean, he, he was there for a cup of coffee and left. So obviously right. that's why we don't remember. And then also my guy, Jordan Scurry, how could I forget? He started with number five. He hit me up like his junior year was just like, hey, man, like I kind of want to do a number switch. You mind if I take 12? I was like, bro, I don't have, this is all you, bro. Yeah, like, man. My guy, obviously. I wasn't like an All-American, like yeah, my yeah. name's not hanging in the rafters. My name's like, not in the rafters at it's all. It's all good. It's not going to be either. So, yeah. But that's I did funny. appreciate like that he like, you know, went out of his way to like be like hey like I kind of want to take your number like that meant a lot to me obviously like, I'm not this big time guy or whatever yeah, but just yeah, the fact yeah. that he wanted to reach out like that I thought that was pretty cool and it, just it mean, also just means guys got manners man well manners and like a little bit of respect for the program the history you know to, to reach out like that which is totally. what I love so much about the culture that coach Mack has built since his tenure there you know like guys really care about the guys who were there previous to them guys who are coming up after like even you and I like you mentioned Josiah like right. this is a kid that we've known for for how long and it comes full circle that he's a committed recruit who's going to be in a Blue Jay uniform next season so right you know th that that kind of matters when you talk about building a program building a culture and and still being in tune all these years down the line after obviously we've graduated a long time ago so yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool you. to still have that foundation for sure. But yeah, I was like, bro, take the number, bro. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> say no. Yeah. It's not that deep. <laughs> it's not that deep at yeah. all. <laughs> Man, all right, we definitely got to talk about this because God, it's been such a roller coaster of a season so far for the Jays, who are mm -hmm. sitting at nine and eight right now, uh, all at at 500 in Biggie's play. Most recently, they lost to. Xavier a couple nights ago we were supposed to record this last night I'm just gonna come out and say it, it was my technical difficulty which is why this podcast is coming a little bit later than scheduled uh yeah well, thank god I have a producer because if I had to do this all by myself then guys none of this stuff would get done right. but I'm the, the same Jays, way yeah that technology stuff man I feel like we're getting really old because I'm can't even figure it out anymore <laughs> I know I'm with you man I'm with you the Jays lose back-to-back -back Big East road games against two top 25 teams in UConn and Xavier, obviously most notably, or most recently, I should say, to Xavier, 90-87. to 87. An absolute shootout of a game. The 91 points that were scored at half were the most in Big East play this year. All five starters for the Jays in double figures. Baylor, uh, Shireman scoring a season-high 25. Bench points, only three of them for the Jays, however, and that's something that they've really struggled all year long. Uh, and obviously, we saw the offensive rebounds that Xavier were able to get down the stretch, really turned the tide and, and really secured that game for them. Although the boys never gave up, they ended up losing to a, a tough Xavier team on the road. That's a little bit of a recap there, Ross. I kind of want to know your initial reaction, having watched the game and, and just kind of seeing how things went down the stretch. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think it's kind of important to remember context. I mean, obviously, I don't think anybody would have envisioned that this team would be nine and eight at this point, but uh, it is important, like context. I mean, they've had one, this is you know, one of the hardest schedules that they've played through 15, well, I guess 17 games now um, since Mac has been here. And so, you know, you play UConn and Xavier back to back on the road. And, and, and Mac even mentioned it today. I went to a, a Creighton luncheon um, today and, and they play very, very different styles. I mean, Xavier wants to get out and they want to run and we also want to get out and run. So 
it's it's not like both of those teams. It's not like Creighton's incapable defensively. They are very much capable defensively, but there's you know there's a lot of possessions in that game uh, against Xavier, and so it's you know obviously Xavier Xavier made some plays down the stretch, and um, you know a, a great little you know a great little effort there at the end. You know it was eighty four seventy nine, and it, and it gets to um, and then I think or it was eighty six seventy nine. Excuse me, and then we scored five straight, forced a turnover. Uh, Trey forced a turnover off a of, off a boom. Uh, we get kind of an inbounds pass and run a set play for Baylor, and he gets into the paint and, and pump fakes a couple times, ends up losing the ball. Um, just kind of when a cookie crumbles, I, I, I suppose at the end. But yeah, it's it's you know it, it, we're in a get right spot here. I think at, at home against you know obviously Providence is very very good, but I'm I'm, I'm confident in this team at home, and they they are gelling. I th- I think that they're kind of coming together at 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 a good time they've they've had a little bit of a stretch here that's been very very difficult obviously it's been well documented with the caulk stuff and the mono and um i, I just I, i'm not i'm not giving up on this team uh at all i i, I still think they they're very very talented they, they're very very capable of making a run and um just got to shut the xavier you know door behind you and focus on providence I was a big fan of the play call that Mac drew up to get Baylor the ball in that situation. He had the entire middle of the court to himself. He was able to put a couple moves on, get into the paint, two-foot jump stuff, which is kind of his forte, you're right, an unfortunate bounce or sequence of events where he just kind of loses the ball, really. Didn't yeah. really look, uh, you know, initially I was like, oh, like, as a as a Jays fan, as a very biased Jays, I was like, he got fouled! Call it, send him to the line. But like, <laughs> right. when you look at the replay, it's very clean defensive play. Uh, he just kind of loses the ball. And, you know, before you know it, that's game right there. And then obviously, you know, uh, long touchdown pass at the end gets deflected. That's kind of how the game ends in a, in a very anticlimactic way when the Jays really dig, dig in deep and, and really fought back into that game. Like you mentioned, like down six with not a lot of time left, we're able to do all the right things in order to give themselves a chance. You give the ball to the guy who's had the hot hand on that and it just kind of doesn't work. And that, and that so, final play, that final play too, Jay, like I think you got to give Colby Jones credit. Like he really, he really stood his ground and, and got his chest into Baylor and, and kept his hands high. I mean, he made it difficult. I mean, he's not some, you know, Colby Jones isn't some six foot, you know, little guard that, that Baylor could have just had his way with. I mean, he made it difficult on him. Uh, you know, Baylor kind of lost the ball a little bit on his own, but, you know, I think, I think Kobe Jones's length and his physicality, I mean, made it a little bit difficult there too. Cause I, I agree. I like the play call for Mac, you know, get Baylor kind of coming off that little kind of double Iverson kind of hybrid Iverson type action uh, and get to his left hand and try and get to the rim. I thought maybe Baylor could have caught it and took in one hard dribble and just gotten to the rim that way instead of, uh, instead of trying to kind of, you know, back him down into the paint, but you know, it, it is what it is. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, they, they, they don't walk away with the victory. They have many chances, but you got to turn the page. As tough as it was for Baylor to lose the ball in that situation, he did have the best game in a Blue Jay uniform so far for him. You know, he comes in as a, you know, a transfer who's known for letting it fly, scoring the ball a ton, uh, being really smart offensively. But, you know, with this collective of talent around him, uh, he's kind of, it seems from the guy that I've seen this summer, like training and working out with the boys, that he's kind of holding himself back a little bit just so that he can better fit in with the group, you know, kind of see where he needs to be in order to help the team achieve their goals. Uh, It was great to see him kind of let loose a little bit uh, and score from all three levels. The three-point was falling, the mid-range, which he hasn't really shot a a ton this season, was falling. And then obviously he has the size and the length when he gets down there to pump pick you a couple of times, get around the basket and score. How encouraging is it for Jays fans to 
see Baylor kind of come to his own offensively in that particular game? And what does that say about, you know, the process of him being able to do that as the season carries on? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's huge to see that scoring aspect. I mean, obviously, it's pretty apparent, you know, the first couple of games of the season, just watching him, his his rebounding ability and his ability to see the floor and his 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 length and uh, um, and all those all those sorts of things. So, um, sorry, my uncle was. I'm, I'm in the office. No, was, I, I already know it. I already know exactly yeah. where you're at, brother. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> you know, I think I think the world of Baylor's game. I mean, I've I've talked to. Uh, coach Vanderloo about this before the season and I went to a practice and I just, just I'm like man this kid he's got size and he he sees the floor he just has a, his IQ just seems to be uh, one to two steps ahead of everybody on the floor um, but yeah you know you're right I mean it's good he, he's been very very streaky shooting the basketball it's just I mean it's called spade a spade he has and so it's you know if he can really get into a rhythm here you know, a game like, you know, the other night against Xavier, where he's four for seven from the three-point line, scores 25 points. If that's, you know, the kind of the impetus for him to, you know, really start feeling some confidence, especially behind the three-point line, I think this team could be really dangerous for, for the next couple of months. I like, too, that, you know, sometimes he takes those logo threes a little too much for my personal liking. For being such a good shooter, he got going the other night by making two corner threes, the shortest three that there is on the court. He got two of them to fall early before you know it. He does get a logo three that goes down. And, you know, the it's Niagara Falls after that. Like the water just keeps flowing after that. But I've I've seen him kind of just, it feels like it's a settle. I know he can make those shots. And, you know, we had Mitch Ballack not too recently in a Jays uniform making a ton of shots like that too. So uh, both of them being lefties, you can kind of see the similarities of like uh, the prototypical long distance shooter that Coach Mack has been looking to right. get these past couple of years. But at the same time, I would just be like, damn, Baylor, like get your feet on the line a little bit more, you know, like make that shot slightly easier for you. And then yep. once you get going, you know, uh, those deep ones will, will, will fall as well. Yeah. And I, I'm of the opinion with the deep ones, like I, I take a little bit of a different stance on it. Like, obviously, you know, you think about like, you know, guys that, that have played in the program for a while that, you know, have the ability to shoot deep three pointers. OK, so Ethan's mm -hmm. kind of the first one. Right. Um, you know, obviously, you know, obviously Doug had that ability to, you know, Mitch Ballack, uh, Marcus Foster would take some deep ones and then, you know, Baylor's of the same ilk, but, you know, of, of those guys, 
you know, the, the only one, I, I think Ethan was maybe a, a, a tad higher, but those other guys were pretty, or have been pretty darn streaky taking those deep threes. And they're just not super high percentage shots. I understand that they're capable of making them. I'm just kind mm-hmm. of of the opinion, like, unless you're Steph Curry or Dame Willard or mm-hmm. one of those types of guys, like, I, I don't think <laughs> that, that they're that great shots. Read of guys. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're great shots for really anybody, unless you're like mm-hmm. those two and like a, a handful of other guys in the NBA, they're just not high mm-hmm. percentage shots. That doesn't mean you're not capable of making them from time to time and 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 you are like we have seen Baylor make some of those but you know to your point I I I mean there are some where he's taken a couple of deep ones and kind of in transition too where you're like man I I just I I think we should maybe be a little bit more patient here or (laughs) try and get a better shot like it it might that my thing too is you know if you look at you know Baylor I know this isn't necessarily his game he's more of a he's always been more of a shooter and a kind of a distributor but you know he's taken the least free throw attempts of any of the any of the starters Uh, Mm -hmm. I would like to see a guy like him especially maybe early uh, early in the game establish himself and try and get to the free throw line because to your point you know once you see a couple of couple of fall and he had a couple fall from the corner you know you see a couple fall from the from the free throw line and you're going to get that you know get that that image in your head and and you can mm-hmm. kind of build some confidence from there if that makes sense no that definitely makes sense too and that's another thing that I haven't thought uh, thought about and you know you're right like his I, when he was at the line the other night and I saw he was shooting what 68 69 percent from the free throw line I was like that can't be right and I went to look it up and yeah it, it, it's just he hasn't been there a lot you know yeah so he hasn't been there yeah that free throw percentage it looks a little skewed because he just simply hasn't had enough attempts but he's a guy that should easily be an 80 to 85 percent free throw shooter if he's able to get there then right. it's just a matter of whether or not he gets there so I totally agree with you on that one moving on a little bit you know Mac was asked about you know the message that he has uh, that he gave to the team after that game in the post-game press conference. You know, it's such a tough game. You, you see the boys battle uh, the whole time. They're up a point going into half, and, you know, those games are kind of picking games from two very talented teams. Uh, he kind of talked about, you know, the focus and the alertness that it takes to win those types of closed ball games on the road. Um, obviously, he mentioned a couple of true role games that they've had uh, during the season, and they've basically all been against top 25 teams. And if you don't count the Marquette game, which they weren't top 25 yet, they certainly will be, you know, coming up this this upcoming week. Oh, yeah. Mar- Mar- Marquette's, uh, so, a top, Marquette's a top 15 team in the country. Right. Uh, I'm just saying as far as like the ranking was at the time right, that right, the Jays right. played them, right? Yeah, right. so... Uh, but my question to you, Ross, is, you know, what's it going to take for the Jays to figure out um, these close games? Because they're, they're going to come. It's such a tough biggie stretch. Like, there's no – we say it all the time. In any conference, there's no easy games because the teams have such familiarity. They know each other so well. The last right. place team in the league could beat the first place team in the league on any given night. Like, you, you just never know. So what's it going to take for the Jays to win some of these close games down the stretch? I, you know, I think just a lot of it is just shooting variance. Like it's, it's, it's so much harder. Like if you look at percentages, obviously it's way harder to shoot on the road. Um, so you're already kind of behind the eight ball there a little bit. I, I think, I, I think some variance is just going to come into play at some point. I mean, I, obviously these, you know, these games on the road have been against very, very good teams mm-hmm. and, you know, give credit to those teams that have played at home. They've made a lot of, they've made a lot of plays to, um, to afford themselves, you know, afford themselves victory. I mean, it felt like to me this year feels a little bit different. I mean, I, do you remember the year before 
So I guess when all those guys were pretty young, like Mitch and uh, and Tyshawn and them, they, they lost a ton of close games. Yeah, Davion Mintz. Um, yeah. You know, they lost tons and tons of close games. It was the year before they ended up winning uh, or having a share of first in the Big East regular mm-hmm. season. But and, and they were just really shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, there was a lot of games where they just – they made some really costly errors late or they missed free throws late. Um, I, I don't see that necessarily with this team. I just see a lot of um, – just poor nights shooting the basketball and this team has been a little bit streakier I think than we all envisioned they might they might have been uh shooting the basketball and we're kind of back you know last year was a little bit a little bit different in the sense that the team was playing at a much slower pace than what we're typically used to this team's back to playing kind of that that fast get up and down the floor let it fly type of pace that that the program uh, has kind of built itself on under Mac. And so there's been, you know, there's been a little, there've been some, maybe some growing pain from just a shooting uh, capacity there. Um, but I think they're starting to settle in I, it, with the healthy caulk too. I, I just, I just think things are going to take a turn for the better kind of this back half of, of, of Biggie's play. I mean, if you think about it, Jay, the three hardest games on the schedule uh, of Big East season already are, are gone. They're out of the way. Okay. All right. right. If you want to, you know, nitpick a little bit, we still have to play at Providence. Okay. That some people might say that, yeah, maybe they're the top team or top two, three teams in the league. Fair. Okay. We still got to play at Providence, but you know, these other games are, are, you know, that's, that's the, that's the hardest game left on the schedule. We got all these teams that we just lost to on the road. We play all of them at home. And mm-hmm. this team has been very, very good at home so far. You know, sans the Nebraska loss. But, Nebraska, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just I, I just, I don't know. I just think that this team, they've got the talent and they've got the ability um, to really make a run here late. I, I just, I, I just am still really bullish on the team. I mean, if you look at all the metrics, like, you know, if you look at Ken Palm, they're, they're top 20 and, and Ken Palm there, you know, here, you want to, you want to hear a fascinating stat on Ken Palm. They Let's are, hear it. The luck, luck factor. So for those that might not, you know, are listening, you know, end up listening, you're not familiar with Ken Palm. Ken Palm's kind of like, it's sort of become like the Bible a little bit as far as, as analytics and statistics and the college basketball game. Coaches watch it. Players kind of watch it or are aware of it. Fans are very, very aware of it. And it's typically very accurate. It takes into a, uh, a whole lot of things into effect as, as far as analytics are concerned, shots, um, defense, strength of schedule, all those sorts of things. So he has he has something called a luck factor. Okay. Creighton, there are 363 Division One teams. Creighton is 361st in luck factor this year. Jeez. So that would tell me that you're due, especially a team that's as talented as us, you're due for some positive momentum going forward. I, I just don't see it any other way. If it doesn't happen, I guess, you know, I'm I'm the idiot in the room here. But just, <laughs> I don't know. I just see this team getting better and better. Now, when you say luck factor, like the way that I understand it is just the ball has not bounced our way essentially for quite a bit of this season. And like you're saying, like it, it's about time that those, you know, 50, 50 balls just kind of go our way a little bit more. Is that kind of what that spectrum is talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it essentially takes into it. So, so almost put another way. So something similar, there's another, there's another service out there that a lot of coaches use uh, and follow. It's called shot quality and you can go online. It's called shotquality.com. And you look at, you know, you look at the standings and basically this is uh, another sort of analytics site that takes into effect the quality of the shots that you're getting. So um, my understanding of it is that it, it uses different sensors and, and, and video 
um, to kind of understand what are the type of shots that you're getting uh, against certain defenses? Are, are you getting open shots? Are you taking a lot of really hard, contested, difficult jump shots, right? Okay, so number one, and shot quality, Purdue. Number two, Connecticut. Number three, Tennessee. Number four, UCLA. Number five, Kansas. Six, Alabama. Seven, Creighton. Okay. So this would suggest, this would suggest that we're getting good shots. Okay. Mm -hmm. We are getting good shots and we're making life somewhat difficult for our opponents defensively. And we're forcing them into difficult shots. Okay. So like, for instance, if you go back and you watched film of our Arizona state game, they made some unbelievably difficult contested jump shots. Okay. And that's where we're talking about the shooting variance. Something like, the luck has to to bounce your way or at least turn at some point. I just don't see it not happening. That's, I guess that's where I'm going with all of this is just, I just, I just don't see it turning. I, I just think we're too talented. We're doing the right things. The shots, the, the shot quality is there. I, I just see it turning at some point. I kind of want to go back a little bit to something that you mentioned earlier was that we're now back to playing that style of offense that Coach Mack has been known for, which is like the, a little bit of a higher pace. I wouldn't want to say running gun necessarily because it's a lot more, you know, basketball structured and I think people give it credit to. Um, but it is high pace. It's, you know, kind of like a let it fly offense compared to what the team was last year, where it was really anchored by the defensive prowess of Kalkbrenner, where, you know, the possessions were much lower. Uh, we mm-hmm. didn't have guys who would just take the outlet by themselves, like uh, Shireman, who could just grab the outlet and just go. Hawkins was more of a guy who would grab the or grab the rebound. I'm sorry, and look for a guy to outlet, and that would always slow the breakdown just enough for yeah. the defensive transition to get back in time. But the, I, I feel like obviously being at nine and eight, uh, there's something still missing there. Like, are you are you with me in saying that, or my thought process? Maybe I should state it a little bit more clearly is that a little bit of a better focus on the defensive and eliminating uh, shot quality of guys uh, is also going to help us on the offensive. And even though it might slow our pace down a little bit, I just feel like right now we're looking too much for like the quick hitters and not really, you know, uh, grinding a possession and getting the best shot possible in certain situations. Does that kind of fall in line with what you've seen out there or what's your yeah, take on maybe, that? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, I think this crew, especially the, uh, you know, the main four kind of guards slash wings are, are definitely tailor-made to play an up and down style. So I think it suits mm-hmm. them where what's been a little bit interesting to kind of look at though is, is big Kalk. And now this is, you know, it, again, context is important. Like he, you know, the guy had mono for a few weeks there. So he hasn't, he hasn't really been in like peak game shape really all season, maybe outside of the first few games of, of the year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, you know, maybe in Maui and then kind of, it seemed like, you know, I don't know when exactly he started, you know, feeling sick, but that, that third game in Maui, I feel like was the beginning of the decline a little bit. And then obviously we saw the Nebraska game when he came back and then he missed a few games where Fred King kind of, you know, stepped up yeah. to the occasion there, but yeah. Well, my, my, my point was maybe, you know, the only thing that, that I, you, I could potentially see with the, with the fast pace is, is, is Kalk, um, it's called built for that from a stamina standpoint and a strength standpoint. But again, I, I, I still think the jury might even be out on that. And that's almost unfair to, to, to talk about that a little bit because Kalk has been sick. So, uh, I, you know, it's interesting. I think sometimes, uh, you know, the shots, uh, you, you have a tendency when you play as fast as, as we play some, maybe sometimes the shot quality, uh, and transition sometimes, 
um, isn't there. But the, the flip side of that is like, who's to say if you slow it down that you're going to get a great, you're going to get a great shot too. I mean, right. again, I, I don't well, want to make this. I, it also kind of like, goes, sorry to interrupt you. It just kind of goes back to what you're talking about shot quality too. Like the fact that we're seventh on that list, we're still getting pretty good shots, right? Like, right. But I, I don't know. I just feel like there should be a little bit more of a balance there uh, where it, it's, it might just be more of a mindset switch. You know what I mean? Where like, they, they really have to be like, okay, like if we want to be a team that flies it up, we have to hunker down on defense and, right. and get the get stops that we need to be able to run. Totally. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And, and I don't mean to make, <clears throat> I don't mean to make the entire pot about like just shooting and like, we've just had poor shooting games <laughs> in our losses, yeah, yeah. but like, cause it, at some point it's like, okay, well, <clears throat> if you keep shooting poorly in losses, then maybe you're just a poor shooting team. Poor shooter. Yeah. But, <laughs> But I, but I don't but I don't think that's the case with this team and this team has shown that they're very capable of it so they've been very streaky through 17 games so you look back at some of these box scores Jay okay they lose by five at Texas had a chance late to to, to make things really really interesting at Texas in a crazy mm -hmm. atmosphere they're four of 27 from the three-point line not going to win a ton of games going four of 27 from the three-point line okay then we go to the Nebraska game they lose at home in Nebraska Nebraska played very well uh, in fairness 10 of 40 from the three-point line Okay. That's, that's a high number shooting 43 is only making, only making 10 of them. The game. Holy. Okay. okay carry so on. Let's go to, let's go at Marquette. Okay. Four of 20 from the three point line. Let's go to Yukon. Two of 16 from the three point line. Okay. Arizona state shot a little bit 11 of 27 from three point line. Remember that's the game where Arizona state made some very, very difficult shots. So, yeah. um, you know, then the other night it's a very high pace, very, very high pace game. And the, you know, the, you know, the team shoots pretty well from three to go 10 to 23, but you know, I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like I just, again, this team's nine and eight, but they could easily, easily be, you know, uh, 12 and five. If, if some, if, you know, if the, if the cookie crumbles, you know, another way, uh, with, with shooting the basketball and that's just sometimes like like we, we talk about the game so much and like all these different like aspects of the game and mm -hmm. it can be very it, it, it's very complex in some manners but it's also like very very simple and and another hit or miss like, league it's just like <laughs> yeah. hit or miss league like sometimes it's just about making shots man that's just really all it is well to your point even uh coach miller from xavier you know agreed with you he was stressing how much the Jays are so much better than what the record shows when he was asked about the challenges of preparing uh against the boys and you know the, the Jays have struggled this so far this year but like you said like no team is really going to want to see the Jays down the stretch if they run into form the way that we expect them to be able to the way that you know obviously in the preseason rankings and stuff like that the entire nation expected them to to round to round into form the way that they're right capable right. of doing so but again like with such up and downs with you know win six lose six so win three lose two and then win one lose three whatever stretch that they've been on what what gives jay's confidence jay fans confidence that they'll be able to turn this around and you know we're not making it any easier ourselves we've got a tough providence team coming into the chi on saturday what what confidence can the jay's fans have to know that you know th this is a moment in time that the Jays could really write this ship and, and turn this thing around? A uh, couple of great question. I think a couple of things uh, for starters, the starters, the starting lineup the starters, yeah. <laughs> is, is really talented. 
and I mean, really talented. All of those you guys. You and I were texting about that during the game too. I, I wanted to dig into it with that a little bit more a little later on, but I feel like you're about to go into it right now. So let's hear what you got to say about this. They're just like, you need to make deep runs uh, in the NCAA tournament. You need, mm-hmm. um, you need really good guards, which we have. And you need, um, for the most part, you need, a, you need at least a, uh, an above average big. And we Which have a we really good bag, in, yeah. in, in my opinion. So, you know, the one critique of us at this point, I, I think, would be maybe the lack of bench production. Um, but, but quite honestly, like, once you get into, like, deep, deep March runs, Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four, like, a lot of those teams aren't playing nine guys. They're, they're just mm-hmm. not. Like, uh, their, their bench is really, really, really short. And you're playing your horses. So Unless we have a 2016 Kentucky Wildcats. When they yeah, have those we, we have like for, for Jays fans um, that are, you know, trying to see any positives going forward and have been frustrated with, you know, the record to this point, I understand. But like, I, I promise you, we have the horses to make a run. We do. And the other, the other component of that is like the NCAA tournament's a little bit different for the most part, for the most part the top teams typically perform well in March. Okay. But there are, there is a semblance of there are teams that get hot in March because it's, it's, it's winter, it's winter. You're out. Like the best way I can explain it, obviously Jay, you you get this, like the best team in the NBA wins every single year because you have to win. You have to win four out of seven games, four straight times. Okay. So the best team is always going to win. Listen for, for people who haven't been a part of like a playoff series, I'm telling you the difference between a March Madness type situation or a best out of five, best out of seven to face the same team seven times and to come on top is it's an incredible feat. Like, I don't think we'll give it like NBA players, <coughs> sorry, NHL, you know, like those leagues, MLB, those leagues where it's a best of seven series. Like it's really tough to beat those those teams totally. because they know you so well. They know everything that you're gonna do. People always complain about the NBA about like, oh, why don't the players seem to care as much in the regular season? Well, it, it's totally different. That's 82 games. You're traveling. You're playing back to back. When you have a chance to sit down and scout the same team for seven games, no yep. wonder the game's more physical. You know exactly 100%. what that guy's gonna cut yep. and you know all the stuff that he's gonna do. So yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. But the point I was making with that is is once you get to March and in, in the NCAA tournament, it's just it's 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 winner go home. So mm-hmm. it, it it just that entire format, it just lends itself to like if you can just get hot and kind of gel and peak at the right time. If you have the horses, you can go on a run and we do. So that's why I'm, you know, a perfect, uh, we could not have a more perfect example than last year with North Carolina. They were in the eight, nine game against Marquette. They make the national title game. They're up big in the national title game. I mean, that was a team that was in the eight, nine game that wasn't really Mm -hmm. ranked all year that at, at, at certain points, people, people were saying, I mean, should they even really be in the tournament? What what are what's their resume look like? What 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 right. wins do they have? That's what people were saying at, at at certain points last year about that North Carolina team. Then you know, fast forward a couple of months, and they're literally like ten minutes away from potentially winning a national title. Okay, so we've seen it with we we we, we saw it with UConn back when they had Shabazz Napier. They won the, the national Campbell title. Walker. 
that team was like, like Kemba Walker I, four years before that and, too. And before that, I think the mm-hmm. Shabazz Napier team. I have to go back and look. I think they were a six or a seven seed. Okay, so for the most part, yeah, the top teams um, do. I'm trying uh, to think because I, yeah, well, uh small world type of situation i played against shabazz napier in aau being he's an east coast kid i'm i'm you know canada we used to always go down to those AAU yeah, tournaments yeah. in like upper uh, upstate new york and stuff like that so i met shabazz when he was like 13 absolutely cooking 15 year old <laughs> so i mean when i saw that yukon doing what he was doing i was like golly like i always knew this kid was going to be so good is he still is he still uh playing overseas anywhere uh, yeah, he he's overseas right now. I, I want to say he's in the Asian market because he's definitely not in Europe right now. Uh, but I mean, yeah, no matter where he is, I know he's making that money though. <laughs> I already yeah. know that. <laughs> but no, yeah. I like I think there were a eight seed because I feel like it was like that Kentucky. It was UConn, Kentucky when Kentucky wasn't that good that year either. But uh, they managed to make it to that finals, right? And Shabazz Napier knocked them off. Yeah, it would have been twenty. I think it was. 2012 seven seed is what our producer josh is saying in our, in, our chat seed, in the background so she, i'm okay. telling you guys you need a producer to do stuff like yeah. that because lord knows see ross and i are still over here like googling trying to figure it uh-huh. out I and know. josh in the background you know making things happen but yeah and uh if i'm not mistaken that kemba walker with a freshman shabazz neighbor they were like a four seed maybe yeah so like that, that was my I'm whole talk about getting hot at the right time. Like yeah, that's what that I was, was my whole, that was my whole point is like, there's so positives to take away. Obviously you have to do the work to get there. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not just, I'm not just saying, you know, this team can just has, I'm not saying this team has the luxury of going 500 from here and just showing up in March. They don't have that luxury, unfortunately anymore. They've already got of eight course. losses. Like you have to do the work to get there first, which I think they're capable of, but the positives to take away is that this team starting five, it's very, very talented. And if it gels at the right time and you get some, some, some shooting variants to go your way, which I think they're capable of, they, they're, you know, a lot of goals for this season are still very much intact. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, you talked about their starting five for sure, but like you said, this is a win or go home situation. Let's just say we get to March, we do all the things that we're talking about. And one of our starters gets three fouls in the first 12 minutes. And, you know, the lack of bench production, which is what we've been kind of lamenting about all year long. Now it rears its ugly head and it's just kind of like, who can we trust? Who can we throw out there with the other four guys, maybe with the other three guys who are used to starting to be able to keep a situation afloat so that we don't just go straight downhill as soon as one of those situations occurs. So yeah, that, that is why I feel like Jays fans, and rightfully so, have been kind of lamenting about the lack of bench production. We had Toby Hegner on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, who he was a big time proponent of like, these guys are playing too many minutes. We need to trust the bench more. We need to see what they can do. We need to, you know, give them the confidence to go out there and score four, five, six points each and have our bench score and be 12 points as opposed to just three. So I think, I think that is where I like, that idea stems from and and i see no i get that but jay 
but 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 the thing is, is that's easier said than done now, especially mm-hmm. now that we're in a big East play. Like you really develop your bench. And Mac has said this, like you really develop your bench in non-conference. And we had a very difficult non-conference. So right. it was even harder for us to develop the bench. And like, you just don't have the luxury, I, I, I guess, uh, once you get into the conference play, I don't know that you have the luxury of, of letting bench guys, you know, play through numerous mistakes. Yes, okay. Is. Especially yeah. when you've got really talented, <laughs> a really talented starting five. So it's, it's a really fine balance. I think that's where it's really, really difficult as a, as a head coach um, to, to sort of balance that because, you know, those bench guys, you know, to be a good player too, you've got to believe that you're a really good player. Those bench guys think they're, think that they're really good players and think they think yeah. they should be on the floor. Right. Um but you, you know, you got to prove it in your limited minutes, which, you know, Jay, you know, this from playing professionally for so long, it's really hard to, to go in and, and, you know, you've only got X number of minutes, but uh, to hit shots and prove that you're like a, a guy that should be out there, it's really difficult to do. So mm-hmm. it's just a really hard balance as far as that's concerned. I've always said like for guys who've come off the bench and like you said, like I, I started my career on the bench as, as a Blue Jay, worked my way up to the starting lineup. Uh, in my professional career, I've been starting, I've been coming off the bench. For the guys coming off the bench, I always want to say, like, you have to force the coaches to keep you in there. Like, that is what your job is supposed to be. So if you go and you're out there and it basically looks like you're doing cardio for a bit, then the coaches aren't inclined to just keep you in right. for the sake of keeping you right. in. You got to take a charge. You got to die for a loose ball. You got to hit a corner three. You got to do something where the coaching staff looks at you and they see that fire in your eyes, like, okay, we can't take this kid out yet because, yeah. you know, in the two and a half minutes that he's been on, he's made two or three plays that, you know, that that brings positive outcome to the team. So it is a tough situation, and I totally understand what you mean. I guess we'll just kind of have to, you know, wait and see how it all plays out because we still have a ton of basketball left to be played. My next question for you, Ross, obviously, is we talked about how talented this team is. You know, as much as we like to think that the players are able to tune a whole bunch of the outside noise out, we know that they heard about how great they could be a Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four type team to start the year. Yeah. Now they sit in that locker room at nine and eight. What do you think is going through the minds of the student athletes at this time, being in that locker room, knowing that, you know, hey, guys, like we squandered a lot of these games early on. We, we need to really, you know, step our foot on the gas and, and go as hard as we can until the rest of the season. Yeah, it's a good question. And like, you know, obviously they're, it's a different generation and they're, they've got a lot more, a lot more social media stuff to kind of deal mm-hmm. with these days than, you know, you know, like we did, for instance, back in the day, it was still kind of in its infant phases. And so there's just a lot more noise, kind of what you said. Um, the one thing that I think those guys, outside of Baylor, who then ended up becoming an unbelievable player at South Dakota State, all those guys are very highly rated recruits. Those guys have been playing at a high level against other top rated recruits for, for years now. Those guys believe that they're really good. Okay. Yeah. So that I don't think that this that's a I don't think this is a group that's like, oh man, this is, you know, gosh, now we can't, now we can't achieve <laughs> anything. <sky is> falling. <laughs> yeah, like that, that they're not like that. They're not thinking like that. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a, obviously a very positive thing. Like you have to have that sort of mentality that they have. Like, like I remember I was doing, I was doing color for one of the games last year. Uh, I can't remember which one it was. And we, we interviewed Art after the game, Kaluma. And I, we asked him a few different questions. I, I just got this sense from him of like, this is what I do, man. I'm supposed to be yeah. out here. I'm supposed <laughs> to be grabbing 12 rebounds. I'm supposed to be scoring 20. I'm supposed to be dunking on dudes. Like who, you, who like, 
like he, he wasn't saying it how I'm saying it, obviously, but I'm of just course. saying this is the sense that I got from him. It was like, I'm the guy, like I'm supposed to be doing this. So mm -hmm. that's a really good thing. I think to, you know, going forward, um, I, I think that they're, you know, coach Mack and, and his staff are, are, are obviously so good at messaging and, and so good at saying positive and they're not, they're not berating the guys, you know, left, left, right and side, you know, up and down. And um, I, I think the message is going to continue to be positive. Yeah, that is one thing that Coach Mack's been really good at throughout the years. Like I remember the year after I graduated, uh, when they started off the year pretty good, they beat was Oklahoma at home, right? Ranked top 25. And then just right. kind of like this, yep. they just started losing like these close games. Like they went, uh, Will Artino, yeah. who's been a guest on this show a couple of times, he, when he talks about it, he's just like, dude, like we lost. That team lost games, a lot of close right? games. Yeah. Yeah. They lost nine games by like a combined score of like 12 points. It's like, they just, just couldn't, the ball wouldn't fall their way in the end, near the end of the games. And, uh, you know, one of the stories that came out that year was coach Mag being in a meeting with the rest of the coaching staff and be like, Hey, we're going to go to the practice court and we're going to speak only positive to these guys because they hear it from everyone right now. They're mm -hmm. hearing it from their teachers, their fellow students yeah. uh, in the classroom, their parents, their friends back home. They're hearing it from everybody about how awful things are going right now. We're not going to add on to that. We're going to flip this and, and to turn this into as positive a message as we possibly can. And, and I feel like that was on a big time. Exactly. It certainly does. But as far as like Coach Mack and his philosophy about, you know, because I remember the Coach Mack where if we lose a game or whatever, like, not that he would absolutely destroy us the next day, but he made his point. He, he drove his point across as far as like how much tougher of a team that we needed to be in right. those types of losses. So I think that was a really big time step for coach Mac individually as, as a coach and as a person where he kind of realized like, okay, I need to maybe change my approach of how we, how to deal with losses, especially close losses, because like you said, it's not like the, the guys gave up when they were down six with a minute left, they were fighting, fighting, fighting. And, at the end, had a, tie, a chance to tie it, gave the ball to the best player of that day. And, you know, he just loses the ball in the middle of the paint. But that doesn't mean that the effort wasn't there, that the guys weren't really trying their best to uh, make sure that the win is the outcome. So I, I really appreciate that about Coach Mack and his staff, about, you know, just the, the switch that he's had over the years of, of being able to relate more to this current generation, which, you know, it, it is also my humble opinion that you, you can't treat kids the way that you did 10 years ago that you did way that you did 20 years ago like generations oh, change completely people agree. change and and you just have to deal with those circumstances and be the best possible coach that you can be from all the things that I said do you have anything more to add to that no I agree man I'm I'm like yeah completely in that camp I mean this is a different it's a different generation like these kids are you know they're gen z they're just they're different they grew up with social media like you know then you know, we haven't even talked about the aspect of you know, now NIL is involved and these kids are, are, are making money. Um, yeah. And so it's, you got a whole host of other, other things kind of happening and it's just, there's a lot of things to juggle. And then, you know, you add on top of that, that they're really young. They're 19, 20, 21 year old kids. Like, 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 like <laughs> we forget you, that once you, once you get to our age, you, you kind of realize like looking back, you're like, Oh my God, how, how ridiculously immature was I or how Man. like, how flawed was my thinking about this, 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 and this. And so yeah, like those guys are going through all of those same things too. And it's really hard, especially, 
you know, let's say for the bench, let's take an example for the bench guys. I've always said this, like if you're, if you're on the bench, you're a 19, 20 year old kid and you're on the bench and you're just playing a role and you're trying to find your footing. Like how difficult is that? You are just a star on your high school team. You were a star on your AAU team. You were getting recruited by all these different programs. And now you're kind of trying to find your way with like just a few minutes a game. So there's just a whole lot of things you got to juggle. And I agree with you. I think Mac and Mac and his staff do such a good job of that. Like if you haven't, if, if you've never been to a practice, uh, they are so, so well run. They are so efficient. The messaging is so good. And they just, they just do an unbelievable job of just kind of building camaraderie and building a positive kind of you know uh, globe around all the guys i think that's the thing that i need to be better at realizing too is that they are 18 19 20 year old kids out there like for real for real like and like you said like i thought i was a grown-ass man at that time like i thought i had everything figured out when you're you not, look back on it, you're like i cannot believe that i did it you know get in trouble or you know find a way to get kicked off campus when I was crazy so young like there's just so much going on uh like obviously basketball is the main focus but it's just there's so many different ways where you could just catch yourself being like in in a bad place at the bad time or whatever the case may be because you are immature because you don't know any better and like I said when you look back on it you're just like damn like I I'm grateful that I was in a straight and narrow during that time because yeah. really south for me there for a second. But no, I agree. Yeah, man, it, it's tough. And I think it, it is a, a good thing that you mentioned that. Like I, I personally need to do a better job of realizing, you know, the stage of life that these guys are in too. There's so much more than just basketball, obviously, but this being a basketball show and the Jays being such a popular team in the state of Nebraska, obviously in the city of Omaha. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've garnered fans kind of all over the place with our success in these last recent years. So um, that that becomes the main focus. But we also need to realize that, you know, there are growing pains to this, too. Like none of this. No one said it's going to be easy. If it was going to be easy, everybody would be able to. Do yeah, it, it was it was it was never going to be. I mean, kind of to your point earlier about like the expectations, and you know, what, what the guys are thinking because they heard all the expectations at the beginning of the year. Like it was never going to be this. Uh, you know, we're, we look up and we're 16 and one. Like, like it was just, it was never going to be like that. I mean, yeah. I would have been stunned had it, had, had that been the case and we were ranked second or first or third or whatever in the country right now. I mean, we got up as high as seventh and, you know, we start off six and oh, we have that great win against Arkansas. And I'm like, man, they might, they might actually yeah. be the real deal here. But exactly. You know, I, I think this is, I, I don't want to sound like a, you know, I, I get this all the time that I'm a homer or whatever, but oh, hey, look, we say this is the most biased Korean podcast in the history, so <laughs> be, right, you can be a homer right here. Let's hear it. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I think this is, this is good what they've gone through. I really, I truly believe that. And maybe in, you know, is there a possibility that in a month, uh, things have not gone uh, according to plan, and I'll, I that that this wasn't actually a good thing for them to go through and that this was just a part of a bigger problem uh there's certainly a chance of that but i just don't think that's the case i think that this these these difficulties that they've had for the past month or so are end up are going to end up being a good thing at the end of the year i i just i know that sounds crazy whatever but i just i just have that feeling well, Ross, I certainly appreciate you taking a little bit of time to talk a little Jays basketball with me on this fine Friday afternoon. We got the Providence 
game at home tomorrow. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get this out to you guys before that game. Again, if we don't, that's all my fault because of the technical issues that we had to deal with yesterday. I got faith in you, Jay. Don't get it Man. out. <laughs> I, I appreciate you. Obviously, like this is our second attempt at this, but I appreciate Are you going to get to watch the game out. tomorrow? Uh, no, I won't be. So I'll, I'll be uh, dealing with, you know, the Austrian Cup that we have coming up tomorrow. Oh, and nice. Sunday, we're in the semis and the finals of that. So that'll be my focus. I'll be able to watch it on Synergy the day after, but I won't be able to watch it live like I normally do, which kind of sucks because it's an afternoon game. And yeah. these are like the games that are actually at a reasonable they, time for me. Yeah, here, yeah, yeah. Right, up until right. 2.30 in the morning. But uh, yeah, it just, it won't work out. And But I'll, I'll be able to catch it eventually on that Synergy app, which has been so, it, it, that's been a blessing for me for all the games that I've been able to miss. Or if I want to go back and rewatch like a half here or there, and just kind of get my bearings about me as I obviously prep for a show like this. But right. is there any last words that you want to say to Blue Jay Nation and Jay fans everywhere? No, I, I think just like stick like kind of what the theme of our our whole conversation has been like just kind of stick with the team. Like mm-hmm. I, I promise you, this team is ta- is talented enough to to still do some damage come the end of the season. Now again, they have to do the work to get there, but I believe that they will. I believe they're talented to talented enough to really make things happen late. Um, I'm excited for the rest of the year. I'm excited that our three hardest games, arguably, and Big East are, are done with already. Um, and, uh, you know, tomorrow will be fun. Uh, you know, Providence is, you know, Ed Cooley's done an unbelievable job there, man. I mean, he's really got that thing going now, and, and they play a great brand. Uh, tough, tough kids and talented, and, um, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. As much as I've always hated going up against Providence, like Cooley is one of the guys that's super highly respected in the league. And I see why I yes. haven't met him, talked to him a couple of times. Like he's just one of those guys that you just want to root for. Yeah. It's just, you can't root for him because he, he coaches yeah. Providence. He's just, he's just a guy. He's a guy that like gets it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like he can, absolutely. he can, he can talk to anybody. He can BS with anybody. He's just kind of mm-hmm. one of those guys. He's just got that like charisma about him. You know, like if you, yeah. if you were to meet him and, and, and sit down with him for 15 minutes, you'd be like, all right, I understand why like, like young, good players want to go play for him. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that, with that statement right there. Uh, you and I got to get back out on the golf course, brother. We we definitely need to link up know, this man. summer and make sure that that happens. That was a whole ton of fun this past yeah, summer. Yeah, we got sure. we got to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe to the Field of Sixty Eight Media Network. Uh, I'm your host Johannes Maniga. This has been our eleventh guest, right, or twelfth, eleventh guest, Ross Farini. Uh, thank you so much, Ross, once again for stepping into the J with me virtually, like we always do. Well, we're going to definitely have you back on the show later on, later on, just to kind of discuss, you know, uh, the J season once again. Until then, dude, stay safe out there. You know, you know, how, you know how it is. Uh, we'll stay in touch. And uh, as always, go Jays. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.